0: The date is Friday, April 3rd, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On today's episode, Alex leads our discussion about alternative reality experiences, immersive storytelling, and our own experiences with the medium. Enjoy!
1: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Entertain This. Entertain This. The show uh, that encapsulates all things entertainment. My name is Alex. My name is Michael. And I am Nick. Hey guys, uh, uh, welcome hey. to week four of the podcast. Yeah, week four. It's a full week four. We've
0: been doing this for a month. Yeah,
1: it's been a month, guys. We've held tight to this little train that we're riding, uh, and we've held tight for a whole month.
0: Uh, by now think usually I've ever projects done anything this long.
1: Yeah, now, by now, usually projects that I start kind of fizzle <laughs> out by now, but here we are still talking weekly.
2: That's you right. You know what?
1: I hope people are enjoying it. I hope they're having a good time.
2: Uh, speaking of which, we are now available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.
1: That is awesome. Um Four places you I'm can also, find us. I'm also going to update our Twitter. So our Twitter account will now be active. Uh, and we'll be posting weekly the links to all of those things so people can listen to them. Um, as well as we are going to start being active on YouTube and I'm going to catch up with all the previous podcasts uh, upload on YouTube. So pretty much just going to be the podcast with our logo playing on the screen for an hour. Pretty solid. Hopefully it'll let me. Nice. nice. It'll, it'll be it'll be nice. But uh, week four of the podcast, it's also we're on week two of our COVID-19 pandemic um and we are still on lockdown uh, or at least on settle at home or whatever they're calling it where we're not allowed to leave unless for essential reasons um and that's scary our world right now is super scary and i find myself nowadays transfixed uh, kind of on the idea of like dimension jumping you guys know what i mean yeah with it yeah yeah so kind of like uh the thing that i think of when i think of dimension jumping is like do you guys remember back when we were kids how there was like jimmy neutron and also the fairly odd parents and then like uh. one magical saturday they had the jimmy timmy power hour oh,
2: oh yeah that was crazy yeah. i remember that they, they even yeah. ripped on the yeah. animation style with jimmy neutron they're like oh god Why yeah you i so remember blobby? <laughs>
0: i remember uh timmy in jimmy neutron style gave me fucking nightmares
1: oh yeah no it was terrifying but he like jumped over to this other universe that was supposed to just be a different dimension um and jimmy of course looked great in timmy's universe because dan hartman does a great job drawing um even though he's going a little off the rails but we could talk about that some other time that was my phone i should definitely have turned that off um
2: that's it we gotta start over
1: no we're not starting over (laughs) (laughs) but uh the the concept of dimension jumping, I just want to give a little background on it. Um, the concept is based off the idea of string theory, which in and of itself is kind of a little shaky and falls somewhere between the theory of relativity and quantum mechanics. But the lamest that I can explain it is that the concept of reality kind of looks like a tree. Uh, and each branch of the tree is a moment in time. And the branches sprouting off sequentially all represent different possible outcomes. Have I lost you guys yet?
2: No. No, hang
0: hanging it in, in
1: there. Hanging in there. Okay. So basically, um, a good way that I can kind of explain this is, did you guys take probability in high school?
0: Yeah. No.
1: Fair enough. Um, so I'm sure, Nick, you'll still kind of follow this, but there's this uh, classic like probability like question that math teachers always bring up when they're talking about probability, um, and it's like a bag of marbles. So you have a bag of marbles, and it has like, four blue marbles in it, two red marbles and a yellow marble. And then you have to figure out the probability in fractions of like what the odds are that you'll pull out a yellow marble. So if there's like eight marbles and one yellow marble, you have a one in eight chance of pulling out the yellow marble. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's kind of like that. So all of these branches represent that different probability. Every branch in that case would stem off of you pulling a marble out of the bag And in the different universes, the different marbles you pull out, there would be eight different branches stemming off of that. Hmm. Does that make sense?
0: I think so. I think I follow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So all of these branches on the tree or possible marbles become their own reality. And depending on which you experience, some become alternate realities. Like if you pulled out a red marble from the bag, then that's your reality according to string theory. But there also exists an alternate universe where you pulled out a blue one. So String Theory kind of says, like, both these universes grow at the same time, like branches on a tree, and that's where dimension jumping comes from. It's, like, the idea of somehow leaving your branch and traveling to a different one where another outcome occurred or a different set of events happened. Like, uh, choose your own adventure book. Um, You guys know what I'm talking about. Those, like, old, old novels, the ones where, like... You would like flip to page fifty three if you want to like jump over. Goosebumps like, the is a chasm. good
2: The uh, ad- example of that,
1: yeah. Goosebumps has choose your own adventure books.
2: Uh, do they? I don't. It's been a long time. I'm thinking.
1: I'm thinking. <laughs> like I remember there was a distinct section in our library that consisted of like nothing but these books where you would start it and it'd be like you wake up on a farm this is kind of what's going on you either have to go to town or you can go talk to your mom if you go to town flip to page 25 yeah if you go talk to your mom like flip to page 304 you know yeah i I
0: think those were like specifically called choose your own adventure books yeah
1: like that was the brand of it yeah it was it was like called a a choose your own adventure
0: yeah those were the only books i ever got from my library because the rest of them sucked (laughs)
1: <laughs> I wish I would have this sounds terrible, but I wish I would have stolen those books me too. like I wish I would have never returned them because i I still wish that I had those. you know what I mean oh yeah yeah keep
0: them forever thinking back on it, I remember Catholic school Library was not great <laughs> Love it was budget. uh the only other good book that they had was the Giver that was what it. is the Giver I've never heard of that Wait. You've never heard of? We'll make this another podcast then.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. The Giver is a classic. Is. Can I get like a brief synopsis? Yeah, of what basically,
0: it's, about? it's a utopian dystopian sort of thing, where uh, it's like it leads you to believe that it's a utopia. There's everyone has assigned jobs they do. This one kid gets picked to do this one job where he is the new Giver, and the Giver is someone who collects all of the like real knowledge where it's like the giver is the only one in this world who can see color and knows what things smell like and has memories of before things were a utopia and it leads from there. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it
1: gets real good. Yeah. Dang. That sounds awesome. Check it out. I need to read that. Yeah. I mean, I see that's the problem is I never experienced any of those because I was always stuck in the like Lemony Snicket's and choose your own adventure. Mm, Yep. Great books. I.O. Of, like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And they were always right next to each other at my elementary school. Uh, basically, after elementary school, I stopped checking out books. <laughs> but I I kept getting those Choose Your Own Adventure books, and I would reread them a thousand times because you were able to do that with the number of choices that it gave you. Oh, yeah. um, And that's kind of how, like, string theory works. It's kind of like a one of those Choose Your Own Adventure books where... You die, but you keep your finger on a choice page, and then you flip to the next choice in the story instead of starting all over. Gotcha. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, Bioshock Infinite kind of does that very well. Uh, yeah. As far as summing that up, but that's another discussion for another podcast, I'm sure.
1: You're right. So this <laughs> this idea of dimension jumping, at its simplest form, I can be described as a choose-your own adventure book, where you are living in a certain story and following a certain, like, line of events, and then you jump to one that is completely different, but in the same universe, where a different set of events have played out. Which, of course, is impossible. But uh, as Nick so graciously pointed out during his last Jauntis host, we are an entertainment podcast, and not a psychology or a theoretical physics podcast. So let's get to why I bring this all up.
2: Let's do some more math. you want to do some math?
1: <laughs> I really don't. Oh. So we're going to now talk about the entertainment portion that, uh, <laughs> that, that needed all of that explaining to get to. Because there's this very niche genre of entertainment um, that sort of offers a window into these alternate realities. Uh, it's called this, this genre of um, entertainment. They're called alternate reality games or uh, ARGs as I'm going to refer to them because alternate reality gaming is just a really long way of saying it. But I find these ARGs to be super interesting. Have you guys ever heard of an ARG?
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard of one. I haven't ever involved myself in one, but I've heard of it.
1: Yeah, so um, ARGs, I don't want to get this confused. I don't want... Some people call it AR, AR gaming, mm-hmm. and I don't want it to get confused with VR gaming. Um because they're actually kind of opposites. VR gaming is, uh, it implies complete immersion in the world that you are experiencing the game in, and it shuts out everything in the physical world. It's basically taking you to a different location completely. It's taking you completely out of where you are, um, while ARGs ground themselves in reality. And I think that that's kind of the coolest part, because... ARG implements itself into the real world and implants into your daily life.
2: Hmm. Yeah. That's a difference from AR gaming because, or, or um, you know, like the, the Microsoft HoloLens that that'd be considered augmented reality, but I don't know if it's like an augmented reality game per se.
1: Sure. So I, I like to think that alternate reality gaming, um, and augmented reality are kind of in the same vein, I would like to think that alternate reality gaming is kind of all-encompassing, and uh, augmented reality kind of falls in that. Augmented reality is kind of a simpler form of an alternate reality game, or an ARG. So I, I refer to augmented reality as AR and alternate reality gaming as ARG, just to kind of separate the two. But, like, Pokemon Go is considered an augmented reality game right. or an AG. Uh, okay. Yep. Um, and it kind of follows the rules of an ARG, but it's not exactly it's not exactly as uh, complex as most ARGs are. So a the, the term ARG doesn't actually have a solid definition. No one can define it. But a lot of people have tried. And from all the definitions that I found Generally, what they say an ARG is, is it's um, something called transmedia storytelling. And I think that that's kind of the best way to explain what it is. Um, It's a storytelling technique that happens on two separate platforms. So you are playing the game by completing the tasks in the real world, but the game allows your actions to alter the story being told. Now, I think that that is true for Pokemon Go. I think there is a story being told of becoming a Pokemon trainer and like being a part of a team and all of that. It's not a complex story, but it's still very much there.
2: Yeah, you so could think make that, that argument.
1: And I would even argue that I know that uh, Minecraft just came out with Minecraft Earth and that's augmented reality. Sure, And what that is, it's very similar, but the story kind of follows the same plot that Minecraft the game has, where you go out and you collect materials to craft with. And that's the whole story. Like, you're just trying to survive. You also do that in Minecraft Earth. But in the real world, you have to go to a physical place and collect things to craft. So I would count both of those as ARGs. I know a lot of people maybe wouldn't, but I think that it kind of fits in that bubble of what an ARG is,
2: yeah. you know? We're just playing the name game at this point.
1: <laughs> that's You're right, and it, it all depends on rules. And there are a bunch of people who would disagree with me that augmented reality and... um Alternate reality gaming are two separate things, but I think that it's all encompassing, and I I want to talk about all of it in this episode. So, for the for the reasons of this podcast, we're gonna say the, the same thing.
2: Sounds good. It. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, you'll entertain that.
2: I will. I will entertain Ooh. this discussion of Ooh. ARGs.
1: Great. So one plug really episode. cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we always <laughs> reference the podcast in the podcast, and I love that about mm-hmm. us. Uh, a really cool example that, that I personally experienced, and one that you can still experience because it's still on the App Store, is an app called Lifeline. Have you guys heard of Lifeline or know what it is? No, nope. never heard of it. Okay, so Lifeline is this super cool app. Um, I actually, I think I want to look it up, and I want to read what the description is on the App Store, so give me one moment to do that.
2: Is uh is Lifeline kind of like Life Alert, you know, for old folks?
1: It is, actually, a lot like that.
2: No way. Wait,
1: wait. No, it is. <laughs> wait. <laughs> it is, extremely similar.
2: So let's say I take a tumble down the stairs, you know, tomorrow, and I break my hip, and I'm totally on the floor. Totally by accident. Yeah, totally by accident. It just, it just kind of happened. <laughs> um, and then I can, I can download Lifeline and hit the button, and somebody will be on the phone with me, right?
1: Not exactly.
2: Okay. Cause that's what life um, alert is. I think <laughs> not
1: that I would know. Okay. So lifeline, um, it is a game about an astronaut or a spaceman who is traveling to a far distant world. When he crash lands on an alien planet, the astronaut's name is Taylor. Um, we never find out if the astronaut is male or female. And I think that that's on purpose. Um, but Taylor, this character, um, can only contact you using their communicator. The only person, when they reach out to someone, is you. And that's the very first message that you get when you start playing the game, is Taylor explaining, like, I have this communicator. Um, I reached out to the people who sent me on this mission, and they're not answering. You're answering. Who are you? And you have to explain to Taylor, like, I'm just this guy. Like, I, I don't know how I'm picking this up. I don't know like how you got to me but I, if I'm all you got I guess I'll help you and Taylor's like you got you have to help me you're the only thing that's like that you're the only contact that I have I just need help getting through this and it's really mm-hmm. emotional how Taylor like clings on to you and basically is like you're my you're my lifeline hence the reason why it's called lifeline oh. yeah
0: what what's interesting yeah, but- did you ever play Firewatch
1: I watched somebody play Firewatch.
0: So to me, it's really interesting because like Firewatch is the same sort of experience, but told from the other perspective.
1: Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It is. Just a side so, note. So that's a very good side note. And I actually really <laughs> love Firewatch as a game. It's really pretty. So there's this cool feature when you download the app onto your phone, the Lifeline app, um, where it ask you to turn on notifications, which is often something that we all just ignore and we don't want notifications from apps. But in this game, it is crucially important to accept that notification thing because throughout it, as Taylor's talking to you about their hopes and dreams and they ask you for your help to get home, um, they also ask you your opinion on what they should do next and they ask you to like pick certain things for them. Like sometimes uh, what they're doing is something that could take a while. Like, for example, uh, they once saw smoke from across a large crater and asked me if I thought they should travel down the crater or and across it or around the crater. And though I knew it would take them longer, I told them to go around and they agreed. So they told me that it would take them a while and they would tell me when they made it to the other side. And then it was radio silence. For like eight hours.
2: That's nerve wracking.
1: Yeah, like I I could have no contact with the game for eight hours. It wouldn't let me type messages to Taylor. It wouldn't let me check up on Taylor. But then eight hours later, I get a notification on my phone and it's Taylor telling me that they finally made it across.
2: Oh, wow. That's almost like uh, space travel in real life. Uh, Whenever we send a message to uh, uh, the Curiosity rover on Mars there's a certain delay just by virtue of the speed of light only being that fast. And I don't know what exactly the delay is, but there's a, there's a window in between where the signal has to go to Mars and then come back. And that's like, that's gotta be nerve wracking for the scientists controlling it, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's kind of the cool thing about ARGs and especially this one in particular is that they take into account the time that it takes for this message to get there as well as the actions on the other side and it's that pause that it's kind of that, that signature thing about ARGs where that pause implants it in the real world like yeah. cause and effect this is going to take some time I'm not going to hear from this person and the fact that it's not instant convinces you that this is really happening and that's kind of what ARGs are all about they're all about immersion they're all about making you a part of the story
2: Yeah, it's even holding your breath and like, is this going to work? Is this going to work? And then you get that, ah, I can finally breathe again because it it actually worked out or they died in some cases, right?
1: Yeah. In a lot of cases in this game, like you'll tell Taylor to go through the crater, for example, and they'll be like, all right, I'll talk to you when I get to the other side and you'll wait and you will never hear back from them. And eventually you'll go to the app and check and it'll be like, uh, communication was lost with Taylor. There's no longer communication
0: brutal. So, so this kind of sounds like just higher stakes Tamagotchi.
1: <laughs> I, It's a lot like that. <laughs> That's one way to look at yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's this story that they're taking you on as you're trying to help this astronaut get back home. So as you're making these choices, they make it feel like there's actually someone out there. And it's hmm. it's not just a game of like, should I tell them to, like, start a fire should they sleep by the warmth of the engine is one of the choices in it. Hmm. Um, It's not just, like, a game of them choosing or, like, you choosing for them what they should do and that's it. Like, Taylor will be like, should I sleep by this engine? And you can be like, yeah, go ahead and do it, even though, like, you're going to get a little bit of radiation. Like, go ahead and sleep by the engine. And then while Taylor's sitting there trying to rest and, like, trying to relax and go to sleep on this island... Taylor, like, takes you into, like, their situation is, like, I have, like, this going on at home, and, like, this is what was happening before, and I miss my friends, and I want to talk to my mom. And I think one of the things in it is, like, the one thing that's keeping me through this is the memory of my mom's home cooking, and, like, I can't wait to, mm. like, smell that again.
0: That sort of thing takes a lot of finesse to make you, like, connect and care with a single character
1: like that. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of really good ARGs. Their entire focus is on immersion and making sure that you connect with the characters and that these characters feel real. Hmm. Hmm. And I think that, especially with like apps like that, um, they're only going to get better as AI increases. So, like as we have smarter chat bots, for example that understand human conversation better, Mm -hmm. those games that are all about immersion are going to become so realistic where, like, you can just type in anything. You could talk about anything with this character and they respond naturally. Hmm. It's going to get absolutely nuts because ARG has kind of always stayed on the precipice of technology. Like, one of the first ARGs um, that ever came out came out almost with the introduction of the household internet. Back in 1996. Hmm. And Michael, you'll actually really like this. Um, Back in 1996, Wizards of the Coast released an ARG called Web Runner, The Hidden Agenda. Ooh. And it was a game that put the players in the seat of a real-life hacker to get through these hacking gates. And each gate led them to a different thing that they could hack. Um, I'm Googling this right now. Please go ahead. And if you find anything interesting, please share. But the... the, uh, the goal of this was to eventually get to secret data that became important in the game that they were promoting, which was called Netrunner. Okay, okay. Hmm. And that was all back in 1996. Like, a lot of people didn't even have home computers back then, let alone the internet, and they were using the internet as this tool to immerse them in this world of the game where they were hackers.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that, that almost sounds similar to me, like... Uh... You hear these people hacking like data data caches or something. Uh, Before before a DLC drops, there will always be these people that are out there trying to hack it before it drops, so they can get the the details earlier than everyone else. Um, But modern day people are still doing that exact same thing, whether they know it or not.
0: Right. One thing that's really cool about this too is that it's set in the same universe as Cyberpunk 2020.
1: Yeah, with the new game that's coming out. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and it was, that was the goal, was it was supposed to set, it It took place in that universe. It linked our universe to that universe, as I was talking about before with string theory, kind of looping back around. It was an alternate universe where that was going on, and it was allowing us in our universe to interact with the events in that alternate universe. And I think that that's the crazy thing about ARGs and how cool they are, is it allows you a window into this other world, and also provides a distraction from things going on in your world, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. You could even make the argument that any other video game does the exact same thing. It it offers a window into a world that maybe does or does not exist within the real plane of reality, but you can interact with it through this through this video game, this screen.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's all. All good games take. I mean that's. It's kind of a huge concept to talk about, but we are an entertainment podcast. That's kind of the whole point of entertainment is to take you out of what you're currently going through and introduce you to something new and something stimulating. Right.
2: That's entertainment. That's
1: that's what entertainment does. That's being entertained is being taken out of your current situation and put into one that uh, you enjoy. Right. But the cool part about ARGs is it's all about the puzzles you solve, the codes you decipher, and the websites you visit Um, That all seem to look legit, and they all look real from the outside in. Um, It's usually only when you take a closer look that you realize something is happening, and it's very conspiracy theory-esque in the way it operates. Hmm. Um, One of my favorite examples uh, came from an unexpected place. Uh, It actually came from a kid's cartoon called gravity Falls you guys familiar heard of it never actually seen it but I've heard nothing but good things yes yeah, I could do I could do an entire episode on gravity Falls gravity Falls was uh written and created by a man named Alex Hirsch and Alex Hirsch is a very talented writer he's friends with um the people who make Rick and Morty as well as mm. the people who make adventure time and those shows often intertwine and um it's funny because as we're talking about this Rick and Rick and Morty kind of delve into multiverse a lot. Mm-hmm. There's even a multiverse um, that is Rick and Morty, but it's Gravity Falls based, both, where both, Rick has a Mabel and Dipper Morty, oh. which is super cool. They always reference each other. Huh. Even in one episode, um, something that's really cool that happens is a portal opens in Gravity Falls, and a, there's a scene where a mug, a pen, and a journal get sucked into the portal and three episodes later in Rick and Morty, they fly out of a portal in the background <laughs> in Rick and Morty to be like, this is where those things went.
0: That's really Which is neat.
1: Just super cool. And Alex Hirsch is always trying to work in these little hidden things about like different universes and things like that. So it's kind of, um, no surprise that in July of 2016, he started posting clues on his Twitter account. Um, that there was something hidden in Gravity Falls and people started going back and rewatching. and in the theme of Gravity Falls people noticed that there's always um, a message backwards at the end of the theme song so people started reversing the theme song and finding these hidden messages that were clues as well as at the end of each episode there would be ciphers do you guys know what ciphers are?
2: Um, Uh, I know it's the basis for encrypting stuff
1: correct so ciphers are just codes they're hidden codes and things like that Alex Hirsch came up with three different ciphers that he put at the end of his um, of his TV show one they are all three classic ciphers that I really can't tell you the names of right now but one of them was his own cipher called I think cipher ease which was supposed to be the language of one of his interdimensional characters from the TV show hmm. and oh. it's it's all it's it's whole completely own language that people had to take these messages at the end of these episodes of gravity falls and decipher it. They had to find like key letters. Like if there was an instant where a symbol was on its own, there are only two words in the English language that are one letter and it's a and I. Mm. So from that they could dictate other words. Like if they know a or I is this symbol, they can find that symbol in these other words And they can either tell if that's supposed to be an A or if that's supposed to be an I. Now, what word has, like, the third letter is A and also the fifth letter is A? And then decipher from there how the rest of the alphabet goes. And that's a lot how these ARGs always go, is that there are these codes and ciphers that need to be figured out before you can pass on to the next thing. And all of these clues that he was putting on Twitter eventually led people to a website that gave them a GPS coordinate once they got into, like, the website's uh, coding, there was a hidden GPS coordinate. The GPS coordinate would take them to a poster in like Brooklyn. And then this might not be exactly how this one worked, but this is how often how ARGs work. Um, And that poster would take them to another website. That website would have a puzzle. Once that puzzle was solved, they would get a clue. Once that clue was figured out, it would take them to another location. That location would give them the GPS coordinates. And after all of this was done and the whole game had played out, um, they found, located in the woods in Oregon, which is where Gravity Falls takes place, is in the state of Oregon, um, they found a statue of Bill Cipher, and that statue was created at the end of Gravity Falls. When they defeated, spoiler for Gravity Falls, when they defeated Bill Cipher, he turned into a statue in the woods in Oregon. Mm. After all of this was said and done, <laughs> Alex Hirsch led you to find Bill Cipher in the woods in Oregon as a statue exactly as he was left at the end of his TV show.
0: That's, That's crazy. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> wow. And it, and basically what he had done was he created this, this augmented reality game that put his universe that he created and everything that happened in Gravity Falls into our world.
2: Right. And, and he manifested it as a statue.
1: Right. And as you find that, you like... The implications are, like, this actually happened. Gravity Falls happened. Because here's Bill Cipher, exactly as he was left in Gravity Falls. Whoa. In the exact place where he was supposed to be in Gravity Falls. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I've seen several articles that say if you still go to the woods in Oregon where Gravity Falls happened, you'll find that statue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard to Which move is the super statue. Which cool. Yeah.
1: But um, ARGs aren't always standalone Often, uh, these hidden gems are used to promote games. For example, the 1996 Wizards of the Coast uh, web runner game. Mm In 2004, released alongside Halo 4, there was an ARG called I Love Bees that wove together an interactive narrative and a War of the Worlds-style radio drama set in the future. Hmm. Um, And the only way that you could hear this War of the Worlds radio drama, uh, it played in 30 to 60-second segments and was broadcasted over ringing payphones worldwide.
2: Huh. What?
1: Yeah, so the way that you would keep up with this game is you had to be at the right payphone at the right time to pick it up and hear the 60-second call. In the real world. Whoa. That's And crazy. that was the only way you got the information to continue on. But the crazy thing about I Love Bees is that the first clue, I think is one of the coolest, it got mailed out to a bunch of websites that at the time were transfixed on these puzzles and games and things like ARGs, Uh, the people who ran those websites received a bottle of honey in the mail. And the bottle of honey had a website. It said www.blank. There was nothing. There was just a big empty space, .com. And inside the bottle, there were a bunch of letters scrambled up. And once you arranged those letters, it spelled out, I love bees. So if you you went to www.ilovebees.com, it eventually led you to this website run by this old woman who was trying to sell her honey. It was run by her niece. You go to the Frequently Asked Questions page, you get to the niece's account on this website, and that leads you down this, what's called a rabbit hole, is one of the, uh, one of the things that a lot of people in, in the ARG community say. You go down this rabbit hole that eventually leads you to figure out that all of this was done by Microsoft to promote Halo 2. Okay. <laughs> what and Microsoft Microsoft used all of this to get buzz about it. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, it's funny. You. Good one. Um, to get buzz and it linked it to Halo 2. So Halo 2 became super popular because all of these news um back then stations, all these news stations were reporting on this weird I Love Bees conspiracy <laughs> that was happening. And it just got a bunch of free press for Microsoft and genius. I mean, it worked so well that uh, it was actually recreated in February 2009. Um, There was a launch of an ARG called Something in the Sea, and it was designed to promote Bioshock 2.
2: Oh, Uh, hold on. I've heard of this one. You're you're ringing the bells now. There we go.
1: Hey, there it is. So so what do you know about this, Nick?
2: Nothing. You just jogged a memory where uh, I think the guy's name is Mark Meltzer. Um, yeah, and he, the, the story is that he's looking for his little girl who you find out is kidnapped and brought to Rapture and made into a little sister. And, Correct. uh, he, you follow him on his journey, uh, down to Rapture. Cause you got to remember he was, he's on the surface when this happens and it is sometime in the sixties. So Rapture's already gone to shit, but, um, yeah, it's, it's 1968 when you finally catch up with him. Um, but I, I won't spoil the story. That's that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop right there. So.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was an ARG that they did to promote Bioshock Two. Um, and you're looking, like you said, for his missing daughter. And in addition to the messages, documents, photos, and puzzles on the website, those following along on um, the eighth of August in two thousand nine were given the coordinates to ten beaches worldwide and told to go there at dawn. So those who did found objects planted by the game runners designed to look like they had washed ashore from Bioshock's fictional underwater city of Rapture.
2: That is awesome.
1: <laughs> Isn't that really cool? <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. So this ARG led you down this rabbit hole to follow this story and if you followed along you got you got a piece of it that basically confirmed Rapture is real. Right. That's crazy. Like this is this universe that you've been following along with has now entered your world. <laughs> yep. Like and it is real and happening. And things that, um, that washed ashore were anything from like wine bottles to records to like the masks that the people in the game wear. Okay,
2: that's creepy. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that people got to keep those and take them home. Um, but not every, uh, ARG is based in the real world. Uh, a good one that I'm sure that you guys are familiar with, or maybe you're not is Portal 2 had a really great ARG that took place in the universe of the game. Um, And it was the Ratman story.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: Yes, so the ARG was pretty cool. It followed the story of... You guys know about Portal and what Portal is, of course. But um, just to kind of catch up, anybody who maybe is listening and doesn't know, Portal is a a very simple puzzle game about trying to run an obstacle course with a device called a portal gun. Right. And at face value, that's all it is. And, of course, there's story to it about trying to escape, and that's why you do the puzzles. But there was this underlining plot of a doctor called Ratman who was hiding from the computer overlord named... um, What was her name? GLaDOS. Yep. Um, Who had basically killed off every human except for your human, who she was testing. Mm -hmm. Um, He was hiding from her and started going crazy from being left alone for so long. And if you explore kind of the underbelly of the game and you go into the hidden crevices and things like that, you find a lot of clues talking about, like, the um, the guy painting on the wall and all of these things that happened and he can't stop hearing, like, the whistling and things like that. Um, that kind of just tells you, like, this doctor's going crazy. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Is what the takeaway is. And at a certain point, you find where he's been hiding and where he's been, like, living which has been this kind of like back behind all of these panels land where he like painted a picture of the companion cube, which is like the only companion that you have in the game. Right. And like he's fallen in love with the companion cube and he hated having to destroy the companion cube and he lost his companion cube. Mm -hmm. But you also hear like this weird static sound and people took the file for that static sound and found out that it it was code. And when the code was translated... It created an image, and the image was a picture taken from the perspective of the Ratman of his companion cube.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, and it's like these things that you don't find unless you look, and that's what ARGs are all about. They're not for the public. They're for the people who are crazy and obsessed like me and want to delve into these other worlds and figure out what's going on, yeah. and that's a great example of that.
2: Yeah, it sounds like gotcha. it's... Uh... Anybody that is playing these games and doesn't know what they're looking at, they're just like, I'm just here to play the game. Nothing more to it, right? Yeah. And then I've, there's people like I've not like been you. super
0: interested in, like, some of them before, but, like, I've, I haven't wanted to play in them before. But, like, there's been plenty of times where I have followed along very extensively just to see what happens. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But... It's funny because even if you're not familiar with ARGs, I feel like ARGs have still been a part of your life. Mm-hmm. In some way, um, yeah. And one prime example of that, anyone who's familiar with Slenderman.
2: Mm, yeah, that's an old meme. Slenderman
1: name. Slenderman actually started in an ARG. Um, huh? Called It was a YouTube channel that was telling an ARG uh, or a, a transmedia story. Um, and that YouTube channel was called Marvel Hornets. Are you guys familiar with Marvel Hornets? No. never heard Marvel of Marvel Hornets are the people who created Slenderman originally. They were running a web series that was very Blair Witch Project-esque, uh, telling the story of these kids who had been out in the woods and were creating a movie and discovered that they were being followed by a faceless man in the woods. And the closer that they got and the more that they looked into this the more corrupted the characters in the story got. And you'd follow episode by episode. And what made it an ARG, what made it interactive, was the fact that at the end of the episode, the guy who was posting all these videos, the reason he was posting wasn't to tell the story, it was to get the help of the people on the internet. They were like forum posts. Like, this is what I have, please help me. What do I do next? And the things that you would tell him to do next, he would do in the next episode. You would have control over the game which is what made it the ARG. And that grew so popular that eventually Slenderman got more uh locally known, people became obsessed with him, and these videos were so well done that it convinced a lot of people that Slenderman was real. Yeah, that he was a real thing that was out there. And like I know that there was a a weird point in my life where I was like 14 and I heard about Slenderman and I was legitimately afraid. Yeah. Because that's the power that these ARGs have.
2: Yeah, and it was became super a meme. convincing
1: and then he became a meme but <laughs> Marvel Hornets is still out there they have every episode of their Slenderman series still up and I totally suggest you go watch it, you can't take part in it anymore but watching episode to episode binge watching it it's, it's a trip and you end up learning a lot about Slenderman that maybe you didn't know he's a lot more than what meets the eye or what um, the game that PewDiePie made famous was you know <laughs>
2: That sounds like right up your alley.
1: I mean, binge watching uh, is just a pastime of mine at this point. It's a bit of a conspiracy thing. Now that I've told you guys kind of what ARGs are, and I've looped around to string theory and explained all of that, I feel like there's a clear understanding of what an ARG is. Yeah?
2: Yeah, I think I get it. You you tied it all up with the string theory... String theory, and uh, yeah, I think I get it.
1: Cool, so so now that, that we all have a clear understanding of what an ARG is, I want to talk about um, this really amazing ARG that is still going on today and that you can still take part in if you wanted to. And uh, it's an ARG that is simply run on Twitter, and it's called The Sun Vanished. Uh, there is no prize or puzzles. There's no end of the rabbit hole. Just survival. That's all that you're doing. Um, and it's a Twitter-based story that introduces us to an unnamed protagonist as we follow their attempt to survive in an apocalyptic world that follows the disappearance of the sun. Where'd it go? That's the question. <laughs> um, I'm going to pull up because through this neat little Zoom chat that we have going on, thank you, Zoom, shout out to you. Yeah. I can share my screen. So, I'm going to pull up right now the SunVanish Twitter, and I just want to go through some of the first couple tweets um, that came from this channel and kind of discuss them with you, just so you get kind of an idea of what being a part of an ARG feels like.
2: And if, so we, if we could have a small diversion here, uh, I know there's science nerds out there that are going to point out that the sun can't actually vanish because the Earth is orbiting around it, Right. Um, we know that, and this is just, this is just a little, you know, make-believe, suspend your disbelief and all that, but, uh, yeah, so I don't want angry commenters out there, okay?
1: So, the very first tweet, um, from the Sun Vanished account simply says the word help. Help. And that's all you get, is just help. Uh, and now imagine being... The first person to discover this Twitter and that being the only thing that you see is the word help. Like automatically you're drawn in. That was posted on April 30th, 2018, and it followed up with a second tweet um, that just said it's late in the morning and still dark outside. Uh, There are a couple of other ones such as I can hear the tornado sirens in the next county over, but the weather radar is clear. Uh, Where is the sun? And then he accompanies it. And this is what makes it kind of believable. He accompanies it with this video of a news feed. We'll play the audio through the editing. But kind of what's happening is it's showing this CNN video in this dark room. uh, And off in the distance, you can see a kind of shaky picture of the news that he's filming. As the news reporter reports on the fact that the sun is gone.
3: Every major city. We are receiving an influx of reports of ransacking and looting from New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Washington, D.C., A conflict more isolated incidents in hourly The president made a public statement this morning urging people to remain calm and stay in their homes. Meanwhile, experts are- And it references
1: New England's dark day in 1780, um, which was a day where in New England, um, I think- smoke had completely covered the night or the day sky and the sun just turned completely dark. It's a lot like what people say is gonna happen in when Yellowstone kind of erupts and the ash is supposed to block out the sun for a while. Right. People are super scared about it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's either that or nuclear winter, you know.
1: <laughs> so he after that we don't hear from him for the rest of the day. But then we get an, another update the next day that is I can't sleep. I think the noises outside are gunshots. Uh oh It's still dark, and the news said it would be back to normal by now, but it isn't, is the next tweet. And then we get a picture that just shows a TV that says no signal, and now the news isn't even coming in.
2: Oh, geez, what the hell happened?
1: Right, so automatically you're pulled in, and if you're following this live as you're watching these tweets come out, this looks like somebody experiencing it as it's happening. Yeah. And as we follow through, he starts putting like things like "I'm so tempted to go outside. Should I?" And then he puts a Twitter poll.
2: Oh, and this is where the
1: interaction comes in.
2: There it is. Yeah.
1: So now the community who's following this, and you can see at the time he only has six thousand likes, which isn't a huge number when you see a lot of other uh, Twitter accounts out there. Only forty-two actual word replies. Seventy-seven percent says yes. So the next tweet comes out the next day, and he says, I went outside, I saw something out there, I can't really explain it, but I can show you. Uh-oh. And then we get this video. Um, I can only really explain it to the people listening to the podcast, but the audio is basically just crunching leaves as he's walking through uh, what looks like a wooded area, very Slenderman-based. I'm scared. Uh, as he's going. I'm shaking. And as he's just kind of walking, he shines the light up, in, uh, up into a tree to kind of look around. And then a giant noise comes from far away.
2: Uh, shit, that's creepy. It's kind of like this,
1: this booming noise, and he starts looking in that direction. And it's still completely pitch black as he's outside.
2: Hmm. That's creepy as fuck, You can kind of hear
1: crickets in the background, which <laughs> he references. Like, I still hear crickets, so everything's probably fine. But then later on, he says, I don't hear crickets anymore. I don't hear anything. It's silent.
0: That's so So, creepy. So what's this guy been doing for the last two years?
1: So as he continues on, I mean, for a while there, he just kind of tells you like there's no daylight. But then eventually he meets up. He gets like a friend or a a message from his friend that just says like, dude, please tell me you're still alive. And he replies, yes, I am. Where in the hell have you been? Why did it take you so long to reach out to me after I called you 40 times? He said, I'm sorry, my (laughs) phone died. I was just able to start charging it. You're still at your house, right? Yes, and then so on and so forth. And he spends the first couple months locked up in his house. Um, but eventually he does convince himself to, so one of the one of the tweets that he asks your opinion on is I'm really conflicted. Some of you say I should go. Some of you say I should stay. What should I do? And he's talking about should he go meet up with this friend who has been messaging him. Hmm. Um, and people decide to tell him to stay home. The next tweet is someone screaming outside. And then eventually, as we keep watching, he's continuing getting messages. Can't figure out if he can trust his friend or if it's real. But there's an, another video of him sitting in his house. And this thing kind of shows up. This weird light that's clearly scanning his house. Oh, shit. I'll, I'll play that video for you guys real quick just so you can see. This blinking light Um, is supposedly scanning his house. And it's... uh kind of it's it's supposed to be representing something looking for living beings he goes on to talk about um there are people who are coming to his window and are staring in for like 8 hours unmoving and they seem to be transfixed why he talks about a, a glowing eyes he talks about um people not going away weird things happening in his house he talks about there being trails coming from his door He makes, like, Home Alone-style booby traps, things like that. And eventually, he no longer feels safe at home, and he leaves to go find his friend. Um, He starts taking notes, things like that. But this has gone on for two years. Um, And eventually, the friend... This is the most recent tweet, which happened three days ago. Hmm. The friend gets his own Twitter account. There are several Twitter accounts that this runs off of, which is, like... The Sun Vanished is the original one. Mm-hmm. And then it continues on with, like, the uh, the Tucker account is one of his friends as well as his other friends. And if you go to these other Twitter accounts, it tells you their accounts of the story and how they're happening live. So, like, you're stalking someone on their Twitter timeline and figuring out and, like, piecing together what's happening.
2: Yeah, this is very creepy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very creepypasta-esque. It's very... um slenderman-esque but that's what ARGs are they're these like secret ways into um these imaginary worlds
2: quick quick question for you does it always have to be creepy
1: (laughs) no it doesn't always have to be creepy but it often finds its way there because there's something discomforting there's a there's a disconnect in most entertainment in most horror movies and scary games and things like that there's a disconnect that makes you feel safe there's a sense of security in the fact that um it's not real right so oftentimes in these ARGs when you're introduced to this thing that proves hey this is real that's disheartening yeah very it much. is inertly creepy because you trusted that it wasn't actually there but now it's there in front of you yep you know and you're forced to to deal with that Damn, uh, one creepy. last thing. Yeah, one last thing I want to say just kind of to wrap up this episode. Um, I remember as a kid, I used to geocache. Do you guys know what geocaching yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this uh, lame online based treasure hunt where they give you GPS coordinates uh, to what they call caches. And you're encouraged to build teams, write your name, and provided books in the cache. And sometimes there was this like t- toy trading system, uh, but. I always found it cool when people would come up with stories. Um, like one called The Old Witch Tree that I remember very distinctly. Hmm. Uh, and it was this story about... It was a geocache hidden in an old haunted witch tree. And it would talk about how there used to be a witch who lived on the land and would torment all the people in the local like town. Like a witch and does, right? Like a witch does. <laughs> so they lured her out to this field. Um, and they performed this ritual that would trap the witch in a tree. And the tree would never grow leaves, and it would always look dead. But any time that you cut any bark off of the tree, the bark would be green with life. So though the tree looked dead, Mm -mm. it was very much alive. Um, And this geocache led you to that tree in the middle of this graveyard. That was the next part of the story, is that they turned the area into a graveyard so that she would forever be watched over by the dead. And it took you, and now this is like, this is like Boondocks, Kentucky, is where this all takes place. And it takes you to this old graveyard where in the middle of it, there's this giant dark tree with no leaves in the middle of summer. And when you find it, you're like, that's the tree. And the cache is at the top of the tree. They tell you you have to go to the mouth of the witch to find this cache. So there I am, like 14, 15 years old. Climbing up this tree, I get to the top, and hidden inside of the like basket of this tree is a box, and the box just is like, "Congratulations, you made it." Um, and it it was weird to find all of this stuff from this because at the age of fifteen, that's where things kind of stop being magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, there's this like that. clear point where like things aren't like. As cool as they used to be, Christmas doesn't feel the same as it was, and things like that.
2: What are you going to tell um, me? Santa's not real?
1: I'm not going to tell you that. I mean, it could be. Who knows who's listening to this podcast? As a, <laughs> as a kid, adults told us a ton of stories, but there was always this distance from them, like an imaginary wall keeping us from the truth of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, these kind of games, like geocaching and the ARGs, they welcome you in, and they say, come and see. Like, there is a witch in this tree, and we'll prove it to you. Uh, As I grew up, and I found it harder to let myself slip into the world of imagination, to believe that things aren't there unless they're in front of me, ARGs offer that again. They challenge you and test you, and they mentally kidnap you and put you on a course for an adventure that deep down we all kind of crave, you know? Hmm. And it's picking up in popularity. Before this whole thing hit, Michael and I went on a double date with our girlfriends. Uh, we took them to a breakout room where we played time travelers who, ironically, were trying to stop a pandemic before it started.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we, we were fully immersed in that. And people line up to these escape rooms because they crave what everyone craves from good entertainment, as we mentioned before, which is an escape from the mundane. ARGs provide that, and I can't wait for the next big one, because I want to be a part of it.
2: Hmm. That's well put. I do agree with you. Um, did you guys actually stop that pandemic, or?
1: Yeah, no, we we stopped it in the simulation. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay, well. Where's yeah, my coronavirus vaccine? is not our
1: fault. <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> coronavirus is for sure not our fault. I can tell you <laughs> that much for sure.
2: Just
0: making in sure. In our
1: world. In our universe, in our little window that we entered, we stopped that pandemic with like three seconds left. Wow. So yeah.
2: <laughs> See, that's that's not entirely too creepy either. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, I just think that the sun vanished is <laughs> that's way too creepy. I was shaking when you were reading that.
1: But it draws you in, doesn't it? I would want to find in. out more. Yeah, I couldn't and like,
2: stop watching.
1: There's two years of tweets left. To catch up on,
2: I don't. I'm not gonna read them. It's too creepy.
1: But for those of you who do, um, the Twitter account is at the sun vanished, capital, every letter. Um, So (laughs) all caps. All caps. No, I think it's actually just capitalizing the first letter in each word. There you go. Um, But but there it is. So go look it up. Um, Tell them that we sent you. They won't know who we are. It'll be great. (laughs)
2: Like, who's this? Entertain this people. Maybe we should look them up.
1: <laughs> I'd be okay if we even got one.
2: Joe Swanson um, impression. That's all
1: I had for this week. And you know what? I'm surprised that it took up exactly an hour. We're at we're at uh, we're at one hour. Uh, and guess what time it is?
2: It's time to end the podcast. Let's cut it right here. No!
1: No, what's <laughs> wrong with you? It's time for quick this. Quick, quick this, this. Quick, all right. We need a quick this jingle. That's what we quick this jingle? Oh, God. Yeah, that's... that we can play for quick this. How about this? Quick I this? I mean, it took us... No. Okay. No. <laughs> Maybe like... Quick this. this. And that's, that's it. That's too long. No, but the quick this part's quick.
2: Oh, all right. Makes sense.
1: Anyway, uh, we speak on quick this to correct our rotation, um, which our current rotation is going to be I host a week, uh, Nick hosts a week, Michael hosts a week, fourth week is guest we've discussed that this week and that's kind of what we're planning for the future um and then the quick this is gonna go on the week that nick hosts michael does the quick this on the week that michael hosts uh i do the quick this then on the week that the guest hosts michael does the quick this and then on the week that i host the guest comes back on and does the quick this if that's hard to follow get a piece of paper re-listen to that part of the podcast and try to draw it out and that's the best that i can offer you um <laughs> we'll make it out said, <laughs> It it's a puzzle, figure it out. Um hey, wait a minute. But that means <laughs> that this week on Quick This, we're bringing back Chloe who hosted our Animal Crossing podcast last week and uh she's got a Quick This to talk about. Yeah. Hey, hey Chloe. What's up? Chloe. Hey, Yay. Chloe's back. What's up, Chloe?
3: So, I'm going to be talking about Ozark. How many of you have seen it?
1: Nope. I have seen I've it. I've seen the first season. That's it. I just binge-watched.
3: Nick, have you seen any of Ozark? Nope. Okay, great. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm going to try to do a spoiler-free review. Nice. You know, that's what you do when people haven't seen it. Um, It is a Netflix original, and it is about an anti-hero played by Jason Bateman who launders money for the Navarro Mexican drug cartel. And... A lot of people have said that it's a little derivative in terms of Netflix originals to, like, your Breaking Bad's or your Narcos's or your Justified's. Um, and, you know, everything's a little derivative, so I guess that's valid, but I think the difference here is that you start in the pilot with him already, like, knee-deep in the money-laundering business. Like, as first episode, stakes are high. So, that's kind of what got me hooked, um... And through a series of unfortunate circumstances, uh, the main character, Marty Bird, has to move his family to the Ozarks in Missouri. So he packs them all up. It's him, his wife, who's played by Laura Linney. She's fabulous. And she
1: was in uh, Step Brothers. Was she? That's that's at least what I know her from. She was um, the one who played the wife of the brother. Okay. Does that do we follow? She she had the bad solo in the car. Do you remember that? Oh, he's yeah, like yeah. 8 years of singing lessons and this is what you give me. <laughs> that was her.
3: She's a very talented actress. And then they are two kids. So they all moved to the Ozarks in Missouri, which if you didn't know, has more coastline than the coast of California. Just a little tidbit for you. Hmm. No um way. So they moved to the Ozarks to continue to money launder for this drug cartel. And, you know, hijinks ensue. (laughs) When
1: you're laundering money for a cartel. Like they do.
3: There are now three seasons on Netflix, and I'm sure they will get a fourth. If uh, the end of season three has anything to say about it.
1: They better get a fourth season.
3: Yeah, they can't leave it where they left it. Um, but I mean, it's an award-winning show. Jason Bateman has won, um, Emmys for directing the show. And one of the other actresses, Julie Garner, who plays a character named Ruth, has won acting Emmys. Um, it is a critically acclaimed show. I, I highly recommend it. It is a little violent. So if that's something that puts you off from shows, it may not be for you. It does get pretty, um you know, body horror graphic at times
1: as you do with the Mexican drug cartel. It
3: goes with the territory, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um it is also beautifully shot. The cinematography and the style of the show are just gorgeous. And I think the writing is also very clever. Um, I read a review today from a TV reviewer that said season two gets a little slow and gets a little bogged down with details, but I didn't agree with that. I think once they escape from this kind of scenario of being on the run and they settle into the Ozarks, you know, these stories unfold and people go through character development, and it's natural to happen that things are going to unfold a little slower. But I think the pace of the show is pretty genius. And by the end of season three, you know, you're totally hooked. I highly recommend it to everybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, Michael, you should definitely finish the two seasons that you haven't seen. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's not just a show about a Mexican drug cartel. Um, it's about family as much as it is about them trying to survive. And um, it kind of puts it into a like hypothetical situation of, what does a basic American family look like when they're trying to deal with this? Hmm. And that's what I really like about it.
2: Interesting twist. So it's not just about, uh, laundering money for a uh, Mexican drug cartel.
3: Obviously like it's of how a lot of strain are. on their marriage.
2: Oh yeah. I could see it's, that. Yeah. And on their children, Which,
3: their kids are 16 and 14
1: and
2: they're in on this
3: they do eventually learn what's going That's on. That's a fair
1: spoiler that we can tell, is that, yeah, they they do eventually get involved. Um, but as Chloe kind of said before, uh, kind of wrapping back around to what she had said about the strain on their marriage, um, just like you walk into the money laundering already happening, it's not watching him kind of slowly shift into money laundering, you walk into the wedding, kind or not the wedding, but the marriage kind of being on... Shaky grounds as well. Like, that's That's already happening from the first Hmm. episode.
3: Yeah, no spoilers there, but they're already on unstable foundations.
1: And that's kind of one of the cool plot hooks is like, this marriage not only maybe shouldn't work anymore, but now it is kind of locked in that it has to work. Right. Because of the rules of engagement.
3: And it's kind of fun to watch Jason Bateman play such a serious straight man character. Because, you know, every role Jason Bateman plays is just Jason Bateman, but he doesn't really get a chance to ever be funny unless it's like very dry humor. He's just he's playing a very serious, very, you know, career oriented guy because his whole family's lives are on the line.
1: Hmm. That's your five minutes.
3: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it was great. Thank you for the quick this review of our very that was the first series series. That we've talked about on the podcast.
2: Yeah. TV Guys, series? let's go over this. And you did it in yeah. five minutes.
1: And you did it in five minutes. You did a quick this. Well, well done. Awesome. You did it. Thank you. Um, nice. We've now. talked now about... We've talked about... Um, Nick, you originally had talked about video games. So we've talked about video games. Yep. We've talked about... In that episode, I did a quick this on a movie trailer. So we've talked about movies. Check. Um, you... Uh, Michael talked about Dungeons and & Dragons. And... What was your quick this about in that episode?
2: Grand Theft Auto Five, Online. So another
1: video game. Another right, video game. No yep, check. Um, <laughs> and then last week we talked about Animal Crossing. We're very heavy on the video games. So we need to span oh, yeah. out a little bit. Um, Everybody but poison. now we've talked, about, we've talked about TV as well.
2: It's
0: another we need check. to hit up yeah. music.
1: We need to hit yeah. up books. And then we've officially covered all things entertainment.
0: Well, I, I talked about books in my last quick this.
1: You did. You totally did. did. So we've yeah. hit books. So we can music end the is the one that now. we're music is the one that we're missing. After that we've collected all the trainer badges and there we're we allowed to retire happily with our Charizard.
2: We gotta face yep. the Elite Four.
1: <laughs> or we just have to continue making the podcast. But at that point I think we can honestly say that Entertain This is a podcast that encapsulates all things entertainment.
2: Yeah, like it says on the tin, right?
1: <laughs> I mean entertainment is so vast. We haven't talked about paintings or anything like that. So, God only knows, honestly. Eventually, gotta... our ultimate goal is to at least talk about one thing from every corner of entertainment. I think that that's fair.
2: It's a tough one, but we can do it, yeah. I think.
1: <laughs> I mean, it opens us up to a lot of possibilities, but uh who who's hosting next week? That's Nick. Yeah?
2: Oh, that is me. Yeah.
1: Nick's yeah. taking the the host chair uh next Friday. Which uh, it's gonna be awesome.
2: Yeah, join us. Tune in. What's what's this podcast called again?
1: Uh, this was entertain this. Entertain this.
2: <laughs> we did it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this episode of
0: entertain this was produced by Alex Steele with additional commentary by Nick Mustakangas and Michael Savoya. A quick thank you to our wonderful guest Chloe Price for providing this week's quick this. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer. Tune in every Friday for new episodes.